This podcast is brought to you by Arrow and NetApp in collaboration with CAS Severn and produced by GovExec's Studio 2G. CAS Severn understands the challenges state and local governments face when it comes to keeping data secure and out of the hands of malicious actors. To learn more about how CAS Severn can help your state or locality lay the groundwork for more effective cybersecurity, visit CASSEVERN.com. We've all seen them. The headlines about organizations falling prey to cyber attacks. And unfortunately, these victims include state and local governments. Ransomware, phishing scams, even nation-sponsored attacks are all part of this new reality. In fact, it happened so often that a 2021 report from Sophos called the growing ransomware trend a national emergency. And the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency and the FBI last year published a cybersecurity advisory to help both public and private sector organizations mitigate their risk of cyber threats. The reality is, as the government becomes even more data-driven, these threats will keep coming as agencies work to secure and protect sensitive information. So as these local and state governments look at ways to bolster data security, what should they know and whom should they turn to to make this happen? I'm your host, Camille Tutti, and joining me today is someone who can share insight into the increasingly sophisticated cyber attacks and how state and local government entities can partner with industry to improve data security. Mark Belus is the managing director at CAS Severn, and he's helping federal, state, and local governments implement secure multi-cloud and ransomware protection. Thank you, Mark, for being here today. It's great to be here. Let's dive right into it. Can you share some insight into the cyber threats state and local governments are grappling with right now? How are today's ransomware attacks different from yesterday's? They're becoming higher in volume, more frequent, and they're becoming more comprehensive and more devastating. They're just more sophisticated than they were before. What a lot of folks don't realize is these folks are organized businesses that do this for a living, typically in other countries, and they're very good at what they do and they keep getting better. So the result of that is we're seeing average length of downtime, say from a ransomware incident, increase from two weeks to three weeks. That's really over the last two years, one of the major trends. So not only are they hitting more of our clients, but when our clients get hit, they're much more sophisticated attacks that tend to take them down longer if they don't have the right protections in place. Whether it's ransomware, phishing scams, or malware attacks, how can government organizations protect their data from being stolen, compromised, or even manipulated? Yeah, it's always been about people and process as well as tooling. And that I don't think will ever change. But that's also why we've got some of the challenges that will never go away. Everybody's gotten a lot better about training, training their personnel, don't click the links, et cetera. They've gotten a lot better at their preventative capabilities like email scanning technologies that try to get rid of some of those questionable emails. But what we're seeing because of the sophistication of these threat actors is things still fall between the cracks. And no matter how much training you do, people are still clicking things that they should not have clicked. So the big change we're seeing is continued investment in training and preventative measures, but really an overdue investment in the recovery side of the equation 
and ensuring that if and when an issue arises, the interruption to the business is minimized and they're back up and running in a quick fashion. The point back on trends, we're seeing a lot more external parties get involved in an issue. And by that, I mean organizations outside the company or locality, state agency that's been attacked. Specifically, one of the external parties has taken a predominant role, and we never saw that even 18 months ago, 24 months ago, and that's the cyber liability insurance companies. They take a significant role during an event itself, but now we're seeing them take a significant role prior to any issues happening in the first place. So that's a significant change in the space that is creating really more preventions and better recovery plans as well. The insurance companies are mandating a lot of those requirements now. Ultimately, they're turning into technical requirements, capabilities, and processes. Things like multi-factor authentication, things like hardened copies of your data in an air gap location, and numerous others. But we're seeing those technical requirements creep up because there's been so many claims so many insurance payouts that the insurers don't have a choice, but to really in effect become this new form of compliance, driving additional preventative and recovery measures. In some of our largest accounts, we've got the insurance companies literally dropping in cybersecurity analysts to assess whether or not a customer is insurable prior to writing the annual insurance contract. Cybersecurity is a team sport, and you mentioned cyber liability insurance companies, for example. So it's not just a CISO's responsibility to try to figure it all out. So how can the public sector partner with expert organizations to really help shore up cyber defenses? There's a lot of ways, and it's not an end destination. It's a continuous improvement type of a space. We're seeing inside an organization a lot more teaming between the CISO and the IT security arm and the operations arm, specifically when it comes to recovery planning. A lot of clients that we support are still running traditional disaster recovery tabletop exercises, for instance, say on a quarterly basis. I'm seeing a lot of those folks now move toward, instead of doing a traditional DR, run it for a severe ransomware incident. Because if you don't practice incident response, when a bad thing happens, you're typically not well-prepared to deal with it. I'm also seeing them work more closely together when it comes to purchasing tooling and capabilities, ensuring that the data is recoverable, ensuring that we know where our most sensitive data is, whether it's internal or in a public cloud, private cloud or public cloud. Externally, to your question, with the insurers, with legal, with even some federal organizations, we're seeing a lot more collaboration There's some services that the Fed agencies provide specifically for state and local government at no charge that are incredibly high value on the network security side. And then there's also a lot more collaboration among regional security groups. Cybersecurity is no doubt one of the things that are top of mind for IT leaders in the government space. What are some of the challenges that they're still having to this day? Ultimately, you can't ensure zero compromise. I'm seeing a lot of folks fortify their recovery strategy, both in terms of platform changes and enhancements and the rest. And I think the reason for that is if I pick on traditional backup and recovery, 
that was always seen as a non-security item, an operational IT item, and a, a place where you wanted to squeeze as much cost out as possible because there's limited value. You needed the data to be recoverable in a reasonable time frame. That's about it. Well, these advanced threat actors have figured out ways to dismantle traditional backup and recovery. And that's what's required these best in class data management and security companies and platform companies to really change the space. And as you are working with government agencies on helping them bolster their cybersecurity, are there any particular misconceptions around things like ransomware attacks that you come across? I think the biggest challenge is in the non-IT audience in assuming it's still a teenager in a hoodie in someone's basement. <laughs> That's not the adversary. Hasn't been for years. It's been, they use the term nation state actors, but they're really oftentimes private for-profit companies that work as a team that have monthly quotas that are managed as a proper business. And they are being quoted on how much Bitcoin or whatever currency they're collecting in that given week, month, or quarter. It's a for-profit business, just like many of ours. It's just obviously ethically beyond questionable. And that's really who we're up against. It's buildings full of people working in close coordination over weeks and months, et cetera. However, the biggest misconception I run into within the IT and security arm is kind of forgetting about the recovery plan side of it. It just hasn't been in focus until like maybe two, two and a half years ago. I think there's a lot more room for education and improvement in the market there. At the same time, I think all of our progressive and leading clients have already taken that step. So I guess maybe a quarter to a third of the market have done what they need to do. And frankly, right now, most of my time is with that next wave of adopters because their insurance provider is driving these requirements. They're mandating these upgrades to the recovery platforms and the rest of it. We've mentioned that there really is a sea change and raised awareness around cybersecurity and things like ransomware attacks. But if you were to give a call to action for those who don't keep this as a priority, what would you say? The number one thing I would recommend is taking a look at what happens if you don't enhance some of these safeguards because the impact can be disastrous. The folks that pay the ransom are the folks that cannot recover, period. If you're in a position where you can recover your data, you're in a strength position. There's a couple of other things you need to protect against, such as exfiltration, because that's another ransomware tactic that's used. But if you can recover your environment, paying the ransom is optional. And so if you're not mindful of that, I would challenge folks to take a step back and realize you've got one last layer of defense. Ensure it's in an appropriate position for your organization. And as we wrap up today, what's that one piece of advice you can give government IT leaders as they look to navigate today's increasingly complex cyber landscape? Oh my goodness. There's so many across security. <laughs> it's very hard to act like an adult in an incident. If you've never been thrown into the deep end before the number of times I ask someone I've never met with before, when's the last time you ran a ransomware incident response scenario, whether it's a red team type setup or a tabletop, typically the answer is we haven't, or we haven't in quite some time or only our executive leadership has it's an all hands on deck exercise. And I think practice is the single best piece of advice I can give to folks. 
I think that's a great note to end on. And that's all the time we have for today. I really want to thank you for your insight. It was great to be here and appreciate the thought-provoking questions and look forward to any follow-up questions from the folks listening in. Thank you. And thanks to all the listeners of this podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Migrating to the Citizen-Focused Secure Cloud podcast, brought to you by Arrow and NetApp. To learn more about how CAS Severn can help your state or locality lay the groundwork for cyber resilience, visit casseverncom